1: Bulls fans and welcome to another episode of Bulls HQ and thank you for joining me yet again this week for a draft day edition of the podcast. Happy to be here. The fact that it is draft day, we're recording this pretty much during the second round. The draft is over. The Bulls have made their picks. They've brought in big Duke center Wendell Carter Jr. and Boise State wing Chandler Hutchinson. And joining me to, for today's podcast, I've got Bulls J on the line, or, or J Pat rather, at Bulls J on Twitter. Jay, how are you feeling about this draft, my man? I'm pretty content. I'm pretty happy about it, which is a weird feeling. I didn't expect to be feeling like this. Yeah, I think content is a good way to put it. Like, I'm not like
0: thrilled. Like, I'm not like super excited. But I think content is a good way to put it. The guys they picked: Wendell Carter Jr., Chandler Hudson, seem like solid picks. Maybe not the most flashy picks, but players that should be able to come in, be solid players. And the Bulls. I know a lot of Bulls fans wanted them to go for the home run option and I totally understand that I know a lot of Bulls fans loved Michael Porter Jr. and he was there for the Bulls to take but we also saw Michael Porter Jr. fall all the way to 14 so there was clearly something really crazy going on with those medicals he had the back surgery and he had the setback with his hip right before the draft so clearly teams were scared off the medicals the Bulls were Bulls pass on him they took a guy in Wendell Carter Jr. who fits the team pretty well fits playing next to Larry Markkinen pretty well. And then Hutchison is a guy that the Bulls were rumored to have made a promise to a while back. I know some people may not like that they maybe picked out a guy that early and maybe didn't adjust as the draft played out. I mean, still, he seems like a solid pick. We'll talk more about these guys a bit more as we go. But, I mean, overall, I think the Bulls did pretty well today. And, yeah, so I think I think they took a decent step forward. Now we'll, we'll see we'll see where they go from here. Yeah, definitely. And
1: I don't, I don't know about you, but I'll – you know, I'm I'm sure I'm not alone in this thinking, but it kind of seems like John Paxson has been in control of the Bulls pretty much all season. I know titles may necessarily haven't changed. I know the the team themselves have, I guess, been pretty much portraying the fact that nothing has really changed. Everyone has an equal voice in the front office, but Paxson has been the figurehead for this organization. He's been front and center, and there's no way of really confirming this, but this draft, it feels like a typical Paxson draft, and I say that in a positive way because typically throughout Paxson's tenure as general manager, the Bulls have made some pretty good picks. They've made some safe picks, um, typically have gone with guys that have a good foundation, high character guys who can be two-way players and you know have high floors that necessarily, or may not necessarily lead to a superstar talent, but it does lead to a good pick, and that's why I guess I'm kind of content with Wendell Carter Jr., because I think he's going to be exactly that, and in that sense, I, th- I feel like this is a, a typical Paxson draft from, from yesteryear. Do you, do you sort of feel the same?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like you said, safe guys that can, that'll can that come in and contribute right away, the four-year guy in Chandler Hutchinson, so I definitely, definitely agree with you with that notion, and Said so hopefully, hopefully it works out because like I mentioned, like going for instead of taking maybe a risk on certain players that more perceived upside, they went for these guys that will just solid fits and guys that maybe have a higher or a higher floor. So I I think that I think that notion is quite correct.
1: Yeah, and I think we'll use the way the word safe to to describe both Wendell Carter Jr. and and the pick of of Chandler Hutchinson, but. The word safe doesn't necessarily mean bad as well, and I think it Correct. has that somewhat yeah. uh, that connotation as well. Given that you know there were maybe some higher ceiling guys sort of floating around there in the first round at both spots that the Bulls could have taken. I guess you, you already, already mentioned Michael Porter Jr., but there were some options there in this with uh, pick twenty-two. Maybe the Bulls could have taken a flyer on someone there rather than going the typical safe out of of taking a, a four-year college player in, in Chandler Hutchinson, a twenty-two-year-old. So. Whilst I sort of accept that the the picks themselves are safe, I don't necessarily see them as bad picks either. So I think you I can have the best of both worlds. And, and that's why I'm content with this this draft. And like I said, I wasn't expecting to, to feel that way. I didn't know which way the Bulls were going to go. I, I I assumed that it was going to be a Porter Jr. Hutchinson draft. I got one of those picks right, I guess. But um, to your point, that, let, let's talk about Michael Porter Jr. first at least because I, I know there's going to be a large faction of the fan base that He's probably upset that Porter Junior isn't a bull right now, but given the way that it played out and the fact that he fell to fourteen, which is probably something not many people really expected to happen, it, it seems like the Bulls have made, at least for now, the right decision in bypassing Porter Junior. Because for him to fall to fourteen, that's there must be some red flags there with his uh, with his injuries, back injury there.
0: It was really funny because the ESPN like a month ago did they were doing like those draft specials like every week, and like the first one they did with their mock. He fell to, like, 15, and it was like, I know he's got these red flags, but, like, that just seems absolutely nuts. Like, no way that happens. And then he freaking fell to 14, and it's – and there were initially, like, whatever, the last couple weeks, it was kind of all over the place when he had that setback with the hip, and then – but then the reporting was, oh – like, it seems like he's Porter Jr. still possibly on the rise. Like, there were the rumblings about the Kings possibly taking him at number two, which like seemed crazy. And then there was the talk about how the Bulls were kind of a, like a soft floor, that if he did follow the Bulls at number seven, that they would definitely take him. But then as we got closer to the draft and we came in today, I know KC reported bulls interest in like the big guys like Bamba and Bagley and possibly moving up. But then he's like, there really hasn't been much talk about Porter jr. Going to the bulls. And as we saw today, he, he fell past the bulls, the bulls went with Carter and said, and then he ended up falling way past him. And I, I know there was, there was an article on the athletic day, which is really funny about the Michael Porter jr. Hive with bulls fans. And like, he just gained, because he was working out in Chicago, he kind of showed a lot of love to the bulls in this pre-draft process. Like, seems like a lot of Bulls fans got on his bandwagon and just his general potential because he came into college before the back injury as like the number 1 or number 2 prospect. He's he was a guy who you ideally thought is always 6'10, 6'11 wing stud score like here's your number 1 scoring option, that number one potential superstar that will take this rebuild over the top. But with the back injury and there were other red flags too besides the injury. There's stuff with, with the ball stopping defensively. Maybe not enough of a playmaker. Some of his personality things. It's, I think there were rumors about him maybe not being the best teammate. So like there were a lot of red flags with this guy as high as his potential was, which is why I like I would have been totally fine if they did take him. But like the fact that there was this was all out there. I'm also not like, super mad like some people are that they pass up on him. Who knows? Maybe him going the Nuggets. That's kind of an intriguing situation with all the t- young talent they already have there. Maybe he does turn into that star player but it's not like the bulls are going to be the only team that's going to be kicking themselves and then hopefully carter is a good enough player where the bulls won't actually be kicking themselves that they took a bet that they passed on him.
1: Yeah, I kind of agree and you know, look I, like I said before I assumed Carter Jr was coming to the bulls. I had, you know, pretty much 800 words already typed up in a draft assuming he was going to be a bull ready to go and then i pretty much had to scrap it straight away because he they obviously passed on him as did a lot of teams and and i think you know if he had gone eighth or ninth then i don't i kind of understand why some people would be annoyed but the fact that he failed to 14th um i i, I think it's justifiable as to why they bypassed him but um <laughs> you know we'll, you know time will tell what the right decision was obviously but with Porter Jr. at least, but let's let's focus on the Bulls now and the the picks that they did make. And let's start with the prize pick, pick seven. The Bulls taking Wendell Carter Jr. Let's, let's focus on him for for the moment. Most fans probably know what he brings in terms of skill set, but how do you, how do you see him sort of fitting into the team once he joins us? Uh, I guess during during the off season, heading into August September with the team itself, but heading into uh, summer league as well in July.
0: So I guess just to start with Carter, kind of when I was look, just looking at this draft, looking at the players that they could take, I kind of settled on him as the guy that was kind of like the best mixture of upside and then just like safe pick. So like if you looked at like Porter Jr. and Trey Young were probably like the high upside guys, and then you look at guys like Carter, Michael Bridges, the other Bridges, like those were kind of the more safe picks. So I think Carter was the best option of kind of best of both worlds. There, because while some people think that, oh, Carter doesn't have – that much upside, blah 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 blah. Like he was, like a, I believe he was like a. When I looked at the ESPN high school recruit rankings, he was like number five. Like so, it's like he was way up there, and he went to Duke. His numbers weren't huge, but he was playing with Bagley. He was playing with Grayson Allen. So like he was playing with a ton of other talent. So I do wonder, if like that. If, if, and he still put up thirteen and nine. He shot forty percent from three. He had a couple of assists per game, which is really nice. That kind of playmaking from the big. So he, maybe. In the NBA, within a little more open system, maybe he'll be able to flourish a bit more. In terms of a fit, I think he's an ideal fit next to Marketing. In terms of, like I mentioned, his three-point shooting, he shot over 40%. The volume was not that high, but he also shot pretty well from the three-point line. I think it was about, around 74%. So the fact that he shot over 40% from three and 74% from the line shows that he. you hope that his, his shooting will translate, even if it doesn't. he's not a knockdown shooter from three. If he's at least a threat from three, and the Bulls can play a five-out with... Even by, while playing two big men, and like I mentioned, his passing as well. So if you have that kind of skill set in your front court, I think that's pretty exciting. Even with the league going trending smaller, I think that those guys can play really well together. It also gives them options when they want to go smaller. You could play either Carter or Lowry at the five with, when those guys are on the bench. So I think having that kind of versatile skill set in the front court is really exciting with how the Bulls want to play. Defensively, there will be some concerns. Carter he has, does have, he does have like a almost seven five wingspan. He's a strong guy, so I think guarding like the post. Being a rim protector, I believe the average around two blocks a game, should be pretty good. There are concerns about his lateral quickness, and him and Lowry might not be the best if teams are going to attack them with pick and roll and when teams play smaller, but I think that they might be able to mitigate that if Carter can come along as as, as at least a solid rim protector, and they and if they can play, if they get Chris, Chris Dunn's a good defender, we'll see about Hutchinson, and if they add other good defenders on the wing, obviously Zach Levine's a terrible defender, but... Think that maybe they can be able to get by with the as, and make a really good defense with this. They still have a long way to go. They were a terrible defensive team last year, but I still still think just overall him and Lowry is a pretty nice pairing up front.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And, and and the reason why I really like this pick is the fact that I, I I don't have a lot of questions with the pick itself, or maybe a lot of questions in terms of what I think Wendell Carter's. I guess, career arc might look like in that sense. So I don't necessarily think he's going to be, you know, a dominant player, you know, a multi-time all-star. He, he, might, he might get there a couple of times. I, I see him more as like a, I don't know, maybe a 16, 17 point per game type player with, you know, 11, 12 rebounds. Maybe that's what his prime looks like. And that's a very good, very good player at pick seven. But what I really like about Wendell Carter Jr. is the fact that Not necessarily what he brings himself, but what in terms of his own skill set, but what his presence may be able to unlock for others. And I think that's the most exciting thing about adding a guy like Wendell Carter Jr. We've talked about his dominant rebounding, the fact that he can sort of protect the rim. And I think we sort of underrate the fact that Robert Lopez was so critical for a guy like Larry Markman because he was able to do those things for Larry and allow him to focus on offense. And in that sense, I sort of see Wendell Carter Jr. being a, I guess, a younger version of Robin Lopez in terms of those skills. And having a guy to pair with Larry Markin for the next 10 or so years that can do all those things for Larry and allow him to focus his energy on offense, that's kind of a tantalizing uh, proposition. And, you know, thinking about that for the wins on this team, guys like Chris Dunn and Zach Levine, they need all the help that they can get in terms of getting good looks at the basket. They're not natural they're not naturally gifted in terms of attacking the ring and, and converting at the rim. So having a big guy like Wendell Carter Jr., who's a good screener, but maybe yep. more importantly, a really good shooter and projects to be maybe one of the best big man shooters in this draft. Suddenly, Fred Hoiberg has two bigs who project to be really good three-point shooters who can space the floor and allow these guys to get into the lane. So from a fit perspective, even though it is a safe pick and you know there is like the whole question about you know maybe the league is downsizing, and can you know Carter Junior and Lowry still to stay on the court against the likes of Golden State and, and Houston and these sorts of teams? I don't. I don't, I don't even want to worry about that. I, I yeah. Worry about the, that sort of situation at this point because
0: Bulls are so far away from that. They're so far away
1: from that, and I'm. I'm kind of really content and just focused on what Wendell Carter can do to sort of help, unlock guys like Dunn and Levine, which is kind of important and something you need to factor in with this pick itself and, you know, not just concern yourself a bit with who the the player you're drafting this year is. So whilst I get the uh, the the whole logic of taking the best or the best player, or the guy with the highest possible ceiling, I, I think you do need to consider fit. And that's why I'm quietly content right now.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you, uh basically on all those points. Um I know I guess I was gonna mention I know one of the comps for Carter has been Al Horford if he can become Al Horford I mean that's terrific I know a lot of people they don't think a lot of I feel like Al Horford is really underrated by the general public because he doesn't put up huge numbers and sometimes and sometimes he disappears in games and you don't always notice him but I'm just think about how important Al Horford was for the Celtics this year and how important he was for the Hawks all these years well he didn't put up huge scoring numbers he if, you, if Carter can be a guy that kind of replicates some of that stuff and turns into a guy like Al Horford, even if he, it, even if he isn't that good, if he's like a poor man's Al Horford, that can still be a really good player for the Bulls long-term, and he can do so many of those little things as well. So, yeah, I, I,
1: I agree with you wholeheartedly. And another reason why I like to pick as well, and, and why I don't, I don't mind the idea of, again, taking that safe route, even though I like the pick, is the fact that I'm not really super high on this 2019 draft. So if the Bulls in theory took someone like Porter Jr. and you know his back does prove to be an issue, uh, he you know for for next season and beyond, if the team was to be bad again, I'm not necessarily super excited about the 2019 draft, and I know that's been bandied around in in the sense that you, you take your risk on a high ceiling guy if it doesn't work out, whether well, you can just go back to the draft the year after, and I think that's all well and good, but I'm not sure next year's draft is slated to be as good as this one was or or even last year's was, so. Again, taking a good player who you're confident on being a good player, I think is kind of the right decision. Given that there's question, uh, questions that remain around guys like Dunn and Levine, the Bulls just need to get good talent on this roster and guys that you're confident will be good. and And I'm really confident in Carter Junior being that.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Like I said, they're just
0: the Bulls in terms of next season. I'm actually arguing with somebody right now, like in t- like, I, the Bulls still have such a long way to go. And even if Carter is, like, not even... Who knows if he'll be even be that good next year. Like, the Bulls have such a long way to go that I think just this next season is going to have to just be... I think they need to do whatever they can to develop this young quarter that they have. I don't think they should worry about winning. I know some Bulls fans will think that, oh, maybe this team could be, like, a legitimate playoff team next year. Like, I think that'd be crazy. Maybe they get super lucky with their development and they, and and that. But I think right now, with the additions they made, what they made today, they should go into next year just really looking to develop these young guys. And we like said how Carter can help some of these other young guys as well. And and I'd be totally fine if if and I guess another thing with with next year is if the Bulls even are just like they're still bad, but if even they're, they're like a little better this year than they were last year with the way the lottery rules are next year, if they get in the lottery and maybe they get lucky again and they get a stud at the top next year, Jeff, I think that'd be that'd be pretty awesome. So I'm definitely. I wouldn't say I'm not on team take next year. Even after this pretty solid draft this year, I'm totally fine with them. Just look full, full blown young development with this with their young core, and hope they get another high pick next year, and then maybe they can take a
1: big step forward
0: in 2019,
1: 20. Yeah, no, I, I certainly agree. I, I think they should definitely be playing the young guys as much minutes as they can, and. You know, if the result of that is a good draft pick, then so be it. But at the same time, you're still getting minutes into the core and, and heading towards 2019 for agency that way. So I think we're pretty aligned in that sense. But, um, yeah, I, I think where the Bulls are headed is quite a good one. Hopefully, they don't go too crazy in 2018 for agency and, and try to hit a home run now and try to sign a veteran or two to really help, you know, push towards the playoffs. So I don't think that would be ideal. They don't necessarily need to speed that up, even though... Yeah. We like this pick here at um, at number 7 with Wendell Carter Jr. But um, before we, we talk Chandler Hutchison, maybe we can talk about or remain focused on this pick 7, and, and maybe not the pick itself, but uh, I guess maybe the fact that the Bulls may have been a team that could have traded up. I know there was a lot of rumors going around even before the Bulls made the pick that they could have been a team that was looking to trade up to 3 or 4, obviously we saw Luka Doncic and Trey Young get exchanged there by the Atlanta Hawks and the Dallas Mavericks at t- at the top of the draft. Uh, I'm pretty sure Cody Westerland had a piece there that, uh, or a tweet rather, that suggested the Bulls were trying to get in on that. Maybe they didn't get it done, and obviously they opted for Wendell Carter Jr., which I guess I wouldn't say pissed off people, but you know didn't inspire a lot of fans. The fact that Luka Doncic was able to be moved, but. What, what are your thoughts on the Bulls, um, well, one, trying to move up, and the fact that you know they couldn't get it done, and, and the fact that maybe they could have given what the, uh, the the particulars of that deal were?
0: Yeah, I thought it was smart for them to at least look to try, especially with the Hawks looking to trade back and not being sold on Doncic. I mean, if the Bulls would have been able to get Luka Doncic out of the draft at the number three pick, I think that would have been pretty awesome. And the, the Hawks, they, what, they traded three, so they basically traded Doncic for the fifth pick, which was Trey Young, and then the...
1: Was it the Mavericks sent them a t- next year top five protected? Was that it? Yeah, I believe so. I don't know if it converts to something thereafter, like if it if it doesn't meet those protections. But um, we'll probably learn something more about that in the coming days, I'm sure. But that does appear to be the particulars as as to what yeah, we know I, right now.
0: I, I'm not, I guess I'm not totally sure what the Bulls could have done. That would have beat that. It looks like the Bulls did not want to send any future draft picks, which I guess makes sense if like their plan is to just be super patient and have that pick available next year to them. They, they want to use, like I think they could have obviously put protections on the pick, but obviously that would have meant the Hawks going back even further to number seven and they might not have been able to get Trey young there. So maybe they were really asking for a, a huge, huge amount. So I guess I'm not, I, I think it's smart. The bulls were trying, I guess we will never, we don't really know right now. Maybe we'll it'll come out with the bulls are offering to try to move up. And I guess we'll see about that so I guess I can't be super mad about not knowing what exactly they offered. I, said, I I guess I appreciate the effort, and it would have been awesome to have Doncic, but uh, it just didn't work out, which, I mean, ultimately, it's totally fine. Uh, I'm glad, like, I, I, at least I, I hope they, would, if they, I guess one of the big disaster things is if they would have traded up and done something stupid, like because I, I saw that they were, I think Casey mentioned about, they were trading up and thinking about taking, like, Bagley, and I would not have been happy with that, or if they would have, like, obviously they wouldn't have taken Porter, but and I know there was rumors about Bamba as well, and I, I was kind of hoping Bamba might fall with them, because I think Bamba would have been a pretty neat Boomer bust bust possible option at number seven, but the way it played out, they made the effort, didn't happen, taking Carter was
2: fine.
1: Yeah, I kind of agree, and, and and there was never really any rumors of, of the Bulls being interested in Doncic, which, I mean, we can spend a, probably a podcast in itself maybe yeah. talking <laughs> about the fact that they weren't necessarily scouting or super interested in, in Doncic, but... You know, I understand why some fans may be thinking that it was possible for the Bulls to maybe get in on the whole Doncic thing, and maybe the Bulls could have had the assets to to get themselves um, someone like Luka Doncic. But the real kicker in this whole thing is the fact that the Hawks wanted Trey Young, and I'm not sure if Trey Young sort of falls to seven if the Bulls do give up pick seven in this sort of swap with with the Hawks. They, right. they clearly wanted Trey Young. And they probably wanted him before the Orlando Magic were making their pick, who that team desperately needs a point guard. So in the sense that the Hawks were to trade Doncic to the Bulls for pick seven and an unprotected pick of their own and maybe a player or two just to sweeten the deal. There's no guarantee that Trey Young is sitting there for the Hawks at pick seven, which is, I guess, why the, the, the entire trade went down. So that's probably why... The, this whole trade itself was never going to happen with Atlanta and, and like you said, I'm glad they didn't they didn't trade up up to um number two there for, for Marvin Bagley. I think that would have been a disaster.
0: Yeah, that would have been silly. And so it was I feel like a lot of people were kinda of hoping that Bombo might fall to them to the Bulls at seven. Like I said finally they took Carter. I think Bob would Bombo would have been really intriguing. But the fact that the Magic took Bombo, I think it was just kind of hilarious. Because looking at that roster, they have a million big men. Obviously they're gonna to try to get like something like Piambo is useless Vucevic is probably on the way out but they, they they've they drafted like three or four or they've I mean, they drafted Isaac last year they have Aaron Gordon coming up so I'm just kind of really curious what their plan what the Magic's plan is I obviously this is a little sidebar but I mean that team has just been such a hot mess since Dwight left and now they have like a million big men so it was, it was kind of funny that they took Bamba and didn't didn't take a point guard but once Trey Young went at five I guess they didn't like Sexton or Che, Gillis, Alexander—that much—and they, and then the Bulls ended up with Carter because of it.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and like, like we've been saying, it's not the worst result. And nope, you know, whilst whilst I would have been happy with Mo Bamba, I guess his best form or his best potential, you know, his fit in that sense would have been really good for the team. But there's no guarantee that he gets there. I'm, I'm less confident of Bamba getting to there yeah, than than I am Wendell Carter Jr. Even though I think maybe someone like Bamba's ceiling is a little bit higher given what he could be defensively both inside and outside but having said that I'm not too concerned that we missed out on Mo bomber and and like you said given that he's gone to the magic it's um I sort of fear with how his development may actually go <laughs> given that he's ended up on not the greatest of organizations but um look like we've been saying, I'm I'm pretty happy with things of how things have how they've played out, and um, I'm not sure if Bamba may have unlocked players like Chris Dunn or even Zach Levine in the same way that hopefully Wendell Carter Jr. can. But um, look, let's move on from the big that we did take, and let's talk the wing that we sort of uh, the ball selected there at pick 22. We're talking about Chandler Hutchinson, who was long rumored to be a Chicago ball. It's probably about a month ago now. I want to say maybe even three weeks. There had been a rumor floating around that a team had made a guarantee to Chandler Hutchinson that they would take him with their first round pick. There was a few teams linked to Hutchinson, I believe the Nets, the Pacers, as well as the Bulls, and maybe even the Blazers as well were one of the four teams that were mentioned there to be in on Chandler Hutchinson's, but um, it was the Bulls that took him at 22, giving, I guess, giving credence to the fact that um, they were the team that gave him the guarantee. So let's talk... Chandler Hutchinson in terms of what he can bring to the team, but let's also maybe start on the fact that they made a guarantee to a player with pick twenty two. What what are your thoughts around that?
0: Yeah, it's I guess kind of interesting. that I know some people may not be thrilled. I think I mentioned this earlier that, that if you make a promise that early in the draft process, like if did they kind of shut things down in terms of like scouting as many other guys? Like did that? Sh- I know somebody asked me on Twitter, like, do you think that shut them down? Like looking to move up and make trades i'm not necessarily true i know that they asked. uh i think they asked pax in regard or either whatever both of them in their press conference afterwards like did you i think they asked him about that promise and i think pax played it coy and it was like oh like we really liked him for a long time but he like kind of deflected whether they actually did which leads me to believe that they were they did actually make make that promise And i know i saw somebody also tweet like even a few picks before that Hutchinson was happy and it sounded like he was about to get picked. So it seems like that this had been in play for a while. And I think other some, some of the reporters, I believe, mentioned that that yeah, it was basically the Bulls who made that promise. So it seems like they did make that promise. I mean, whether that actually did stop them from looking to do other things, I would hope not. I guess you never really know. But I mean, like in terms of and then in terms of him, I guess moving past the promise as an actual player. I mean, he seems like he fits in as a guy who could play some small forward. He, he is a senior four-year player, so maybe the upside's a little bit capped there, but he had a huge senior year. He averaged like 20 points a game. It was like eight rebounds, three or four assists. His jump shot improved over his last couple of years. It does seem like his jumper might still be a bit of a work in progress, and we'll see if it translates, because it was not very good his first couple of years in college, and he did make improvements. So, I mean, he seems like a really solid, maybe, bench guy. Maybe he's a guy that can slide into the starting lineup, but... I mean, overall, like the fact. I mean, he seems like a solid guy to make a promise to. Whether that, I, I hope that it, did, I hope that it did not stop them from exploring other things. And I would think not, but I guess, I guess you never, never totally know.
1: Yeah, exactly, and, and that's my concern with it—that the fact that obviously they've been scouting for however long that, that you know Chandler Hutchinson may have been on their radar for quite a while, but they've obviously been scouting a lot of other prospects throughout the year. So it's not like they made a guarantee to Hutchinson in October or, or whatever it was. They, they, it was still after his season had concluded. They'd seen the body of work of every player. But having said that, it's still kind of odd to to make a guarantee to a player in the you know in the the range that, that they were picking there, pick twenty two, because there was a few guys that were in that range that I think can still be good players. And the guy I wanted was off the board. The tibbs in the Minnesota tib- Tibble was t- O'Koge, uh, Yeah, They, they took Ockogi. So. I can't really blame the Bulls for taking Hutchinson over a Kogi. He was off the board, but um, it, it. I guess the way I sum up this this Hutchinson pick is the fact that I I don't necessarily love the pick. I don't hate it. Whilst I don't like, uh, I guess the process in which he was a Bull. The result is he is a Chicago Bull, and I'm I'm going to try my best not to hold. I guess the org uh, the organization's process of bringing him in against him and, and just trying to evaluate the guy uh, independently and. In some respects, I kind of think he might be the makeup version of Denzel Valentine, or at least what they hope Denzel Valentine could be, in the sense that he does a lot of things well. Maybe nothing at an elite level, but can um, you know can can, can uh, play make a little bit, can rebound, can shoot a little bit. And hopefully can play some defense, which um, <laughs> obviously Denzel Valentine doesn't do that well. So in that sense, I, I kind of wonder if he's a bit of a redo of Denzel Valentine and what that means for Valentine going into you know his next season and and beyond, and if he's a guy that the Bulls maybe uh could possibly trade down the line.
0: Yeah, it seems like he's a bit more athletic than Valentine. Maybe not quite the shooter, but I am. I guess I am curious to see what Valentine's role will be because I. I guess we'll see what the Bulls do with Justin Holiday. We'll see what they do with Valentine. We'll see what they do with Hutchinson. I mean, I guess these guys are all kind of. I mean, you can never, you can really never have too many wings. They obviously have to. I hope they reassign David Waba and call, so. So we'll be interesting to see how that wing rotation does play out. And I mean, with Valentine, I know I've given, I've given, right, I've given him crap, and I just like to make fun of him sometimes. Just with his self awareness is kind of, it's kind of goofy, but I still think he's useful. And I would guess, I mean, he's a solid bench guy. And Hutchinson seems like he also would. Probably be a solid bench guy. Maybe maybe he maybe he ends up hitting potential a little bit more, and he ends up being a starter. I know. I think somebody asked Gar Packs today about like, oh, like if you look at I guess after these two picks, like like what a lineup of Chris Dunn, Zach Levine, and Chandler Hudson, Lowry, and Wendell Carter, like would that be like their long term like starting lineup in the in the next year or two? Like, and I would hope not, because that seems like that's missing at least one big time piece. Like it seems like Hutchinson could be a guy. If he can slide in as a guy that is a solid player off the bench, you can add a bit of scoring. And like it kinda of, I mean, like you said, almost basically like a Valentine and just kind of be a do-it-all wing off the bench. I think that would be that would be totally fine. It would be nice if maybe if he hit a little more upside, if he maybe develops more of a uh, as a shot creator. I know that he's got a little bit. Obviously he was a primary option in Boys State whether that translates much. It seems like based on the scouting reports I've read, he'll probably be more of a three and D guy if that shooting does hold up. I mentioned that. His shooting was really bad to start his college career. He got a bit better. We'll see if he can keep it up. So yeah, I mean, basically, I guess you got to hope that he's maybe a little scooped up version of Denzel and he's a little better and a little bit more consistent and a guy that can play at least better defensively as well. But Denzel is kind of not not good in that area.
1: <laughs> no, definitely not. It's it's definitely a working progress. And I mean, in some respects, we'll probably see a lot of that lineup that you mentioned next season, or at least I hope so. Yeah. I yeah, hope I there's hope not so too many well. veterans playing and, and, and then, you know, the team pouring minutes into those guys to, to maybe test the theory that that is the starting lineup going forward. And and maybe it is, maybe, maybe Donald Levine do more than what we expect them to do. Maybe Hutchinson proves to be better than what we think. And even maybe Wendell Carter, maybe he goes on that Lowry path and exceeds his expectations as the seventh overall pick. But I, I guess we don't know that at the time right now, but, I want them to test that theory at least and maybe a best case scenario that that could work out. But obviously time will tell if that's the case. I, I lean towards what you're saying though that it's probably not going to be the case. But, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed that, that, that it can be. But I think what I like about adding someone like Hutchinson and, and even Wendell Carter too is the fact that guys like Dunn and Zach Levine and Larry are going to be afforded or at least allowed the ability to be the primary guys on offense. I think you know you don't necessarily have to reconfigure or redesign your offensive system or your philosophy too much by adding guys like Wendell Carter Jr. or even Chandler Hutchinson because they I won't say they're necessarily role players. That's probably what Hutchinson will be. I hope you know um, Wendell Carter can be something a little bit more than a role player, but they seem to fit seamlessly into the offense straight away. Um, or at least I hope they will. Whereas, you know, if you take someone like Michael Porter Jr. or even someone like DeAndre Aiden, you're really remodelling your entire team, uh, and it's your entire offense. So, I, I think that's something that's being a little bit underrated here as well. The the fact that these guys will be able to slide into the the rotation straight away, but the fact that they won't necessarily be taking away from Larry Markin or, or even Zach Levine and Chris Dunn.
0: Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, it was that was another thing things just bringing up Porter again, like as good as Porter might be I would if they would have taken him, I would have been curious about we did about just the fit with Levine and with Dunn we saw Levine and Dunn kind of struggle playing together and you add another potential ball stopping type and then with that we saw Lowry Lowry kind of take a back seat when Dunn and Levine were playing together and that, that group kind of really struggled so that, that would have been interesting to see how that paired up now like you mentioned these guys kind of fit in a bit more seamlessly whether that actually means that's going to be really good. They still might not have enough top-level talent there. Still might not be good enough defensively. But the fit in terms of fit, fit is definitely important. And the fit does seem a bit better.
1: Yeah, definitely. And and, and whilst we can say that, it, it does really put the pressure or the onus on Lowry, Dunn and, and Levine to really improve and to yeah, take absolutely. that next step. Because obviously the Bulls haven't walked away with a premier talent. You know, that Even if they did grab Michael Porter Jr., if he doesn't develop the way some would have hoped it doesn't guarantee you you have that high-ceiling guy. But at the moment, it doesn't appear that the Bulls have found that elite talent that they wanted to pair with guys like Lowry and Dunn and Levine. So it does put the onus on those three, the first three guys that came over, uh, I guess once the rebuild started this time 12 months ago, it puts the onus on those guys to really, I guess, exceed some of the expectations that are probably on them now. Most likely Levine, who is obviously, uh, will be heading into free agency without a contract, but will probably likely be a bull. So... Well, interesting. I, on that point,
0: I don't, know, I don't know if this is sourced or if it's just kind of Fredell speculating, but he just tweeted that the near-universal support Levine once had internally is not there anymore. The Bulls will wait to see if he can find big money elsewhere first and then decide if they want to match, which is kind of interesting. I guess after that that postseason press conference with John Paxton, I guess kind of hinting towards that when they talked about kind of like the market, kind of letting the market whatever deal it's at play Play out for itself. That's kind of interesting to see Friedel tweet that right now that maybe the Bulls aren't quite as quite as high on Levine anymore as, as he initially was. So that's that's kind of interesting, and we'll see. And, and you could just kind of mentioned this whole group of this core moving forward. I think I can make. I think that's going to make this next, next of come, upcoming year really exciting to see how these guys do develop internally because it's, it's going to be a huge year if, if a guy like guy like Chris Dunn, it's going to be his third season. He's already going to be, what, 24, 25 by the end of next year. If he doesn't take a next step forward, I mean, the Bulls might look maybe if they look to trade him. Levine, will, if he's back, he'll be on a big new contract. So he's going to have a lot to prove to earn that contract. Obviously, we, really, we both are big fans of Lowry. I think we think he's going to be a stud. But it's going to be a really interesting and kind of exciting year to see all these guys together now. And if they can take a big step forward, and if they don't, if the Bulls maybe try to – shift and maybe kind of move some of these young guys around and try to get somebody else. And if they do take a step forward, if, if they're able to add add maybe that maybe le- that legit guy that takes them over the top. So I, I think it's going to be pretty exciting to see how these guys all play together and how if they can take that next step forward.
1: Yeah, definitely. If we thought the season that's just gone past was super important and it was obviously from a development and a tanking purpose – you know maybe maybe next season might be even more important given the the ramifications that may be in play there if guys like Levine and Dunn don't take the uh the step that we hope them to do so I should have mentioned i'm not sure if I did mention before, but the fact that we're recording this whilst the second round is playing and the you know during the Bulls having their media press conference so we we maybe aren't necessarily all over the quotes that are coming through from Gar and Pax during their their post draft presser and the fact that they're uh, carrying that on during the second round but uh, I wanted to get your take on that what, what do you what do you make of the Bulls having their post-draft press conference during basically as the second round I guess kicked off the fact that they were addressing the media there and um, going through their selections uh, I didn't necessarily like the look of that but I'm uh, interested to get to get your take on it yeah, the optics
0: there, not not the best. Um, they basically started, I think, at a press conference. It might have even been at the end of the first round. It's basically they took Hutchinson. That was their guy. If they made that promise, they were basically just waiting for him to be there, and they took him, and then they were basically, that's done for the night. Not the best optics, especially after what happened with selling the Jordan Bell pick l- last year. And the funny thing, bringing up the Jordan Bell thing, I, there were several reporters that tweeted about, how, about teams looking to sell draft picks and how teams were hesitant to, I believe, do that because – of what happened with the Warriors and Jordan Bell this past year. So it's kind of funny that the Bulls might have had an impact on the second round and selling draft picks this year just because of what, what happened last year. But, yeah, it's definitely not the best optics, and it's kind of a bummer because, it, because the Bulls did have a pretty good draft, and I don't want to be like a huge downer. And, obviously, not having second-round picks, it's not it's a not killer in your rebuild. But when you're rebuilding and, get, and possibly getting extra players and extra shots – At guys that, I mean, you never know what a guy, a second round pick, what he could turn into. There were some guys that fell much further than expected. I know guys like DeAnthony Melton and uh, Keita, I'm not sure his name, Keita Bates, yeah, from Ohio State. Those guys fell pretty far, and those guys were guys that had first round grades from a lot of draft analysts. Those guys fell, I think, into the 40s. So it's kind of unfortunate that it seemed like the Bulls basically kind of packed it up once the first once their twenty second pick was over and they weren't looking i I would hope that that wasn't the case. I would hope they have other guys working behind the scenes, but it definitely is not a good look when your two main decision makers are out there basically doing the media rounds as the first round's ending, and basically throughout the entire second round it's i know it's just I feel like a lot of fans a lot of fans have brought that up as well it's not the best look, not the end of the world that's so just kind of unfortunate that they that they did that.
1: Yeah, I know, and, and particularly when you think about if they just wait an hour or so, if they they can avoid that whole perception, I guess. But I don't know; it, it's one of those optics things that probably doesn't mean a lot in hindsight, but it, in in real time, I guess it's one of those things where you do slightly question why they couldn't just wait an hour, an hour and a half, something like that, just for the second round to play out, so the, and, you know these sorts of I logic think doesn't rear its it, head, I guess. Right, and I think it's just also because of just
0: little things that have added up in this type of vein like the jordan bell pick last year and they they talked about oh like we didn't have a player we liked on our draft board when it's a pick at the beginning of the second round like that's it just makes it seem like you're lazy and then they had the whole thing with the european draft camp and they made the excuse and it was talking about how they didn't want to pay the whatever the camp fee and they made the excuse oh we want all our scouts in here blah 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 when it seems like they had chandler Hutchinson basically lined up already and that they were, that they liked Ronald Carter Jr. So like these, those kind of things and just going back for years, just kind of adding up in terms of optics and stuff like that. It's, it just kind of grates on you a bit, but again, we're not going to, we're not going to say sky's falling was the bulls didn't get a second round pick. Obviously that's not the case. The bulls, the rebuild can still succeed without the second round picks, but you, when a team is rebuilding and they're not, they don't have these, these, these extra chances, it's kind of unfortunate because this is two straight years, but the bulls, they executed the rebuild last year they go to rebuild, but that 's two years at the beginning of the rebuild where they don 't have a second round pick and that 's just kind of unfortunate.
1: Yeah, and they, and they don't have one next season, I believe, either. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, in some ways, we're on brand here, whining about second round picks, but it, it wouldn't be a Bulls HQ episode without at least finding some we, angle to get been, onto the front office. We've been too office. positive. We've been too yeah. positive, so we had to we had to balance that out a bit. We did, we did. But <laughs> let's let's close, let's close on a high. Let, let's end with, I guess, some more positives in the fact that. You know, we both like this draft. Uh, I know there's, I've seen a lot of Bulls fans out there who some of them, a lot of them who I respect, who, you know, whilst they consider this draft a decent one, they're not super high or super inspired about it. But in in that way, I I, I almost feel weird in the sense that I am being this overly high praise guy towards the front office. But I'm kind of content here. And like I said earlier, I didn't necessarily expect to be. But um, in terms of a grade, what would you give this this draft for the Bulls? I'd rather give it, Give it a B. Like I said, I'm not
0: overwhelmed. I don't think they hit a, hit any home runs here. I could totally be wrong. These guys could turn out to be great. Obviously, the draft is a crab shoot, but just on the surface, they made solid, safe picks. They should be they should help. The Bulls need as much talent as they can because they're still you know, at a talent deficit. So, I mean, so that and that's a good thing. If they would have been able to maybe get into the second round to get a chance on a guy, or maybe if they would have been able to tr- uh, trade up and get a guy like Gidantich, I'd probably give them an A. But the the fact that they stayed at seven and twenty-two, they took two solid players that should be able to be a part of their core for the, for the for the foreseeable future, and that they guys that I don't think will bust. I think they're guys that should help in the very least. That deserves at least a solid B.
1: Yeah, I think you're right on the money there. Uh, I would probably wouldn't head towards an A. Uh, I think you had they traded up and, and and found a way to get someone like Luka Doncic, even though it was probably unlikely, that's when you get into that A territory but um, I, th- I think I'm very happy with what they've done. A, a solid B is a good grade, and they can. Um, all fans should should be very excited about this draft and, and how it sort of fits with the, the existing roster and-, and what it potentially could unlock with the-, the existing players on the roster. So I'm quite content. It sounds like you're happy about it too. Let me know, fans, what you think about this draft. Hit, hit me up on Twitter at MKHoops uh, and tell me what you thought about this draft. But um, Jay, have we missed everything? It sounds like we've covered everything for this draft. Um, I'm. Tr- I think we've
0: uh, we've pretty much covered. I guess if just right now, assuming the Bulls don't do anything crazy in free agency, what do you if you had to take a guess at what how the Bulls would do next year? Just how, how many wins do you think they're, they're they're looking at next year with the core that they have, and if they maybe if they add around the margins in free agency?
1: Yeah, so it's going to be interesting because, it, you mentioned before the fact that the the draft lottery is changing in terms of the. Uh, the percentage is applied to each pick in terms of the you know where those picks might fall. So I, I kind of almost want to wait and see how teams react to that. Whether they care too much about that. Whether they, you know that active tanking that we sort of saw for the last month and a half. It almost felt like by basically ten teams. Whether that's as uh, as strong next season as it was this season. If it is, I think the Bulls could sort of slide into that thirty to thirty-five win range if if they add a few. A few veteran pieces or of a similar standing to to Justin Holiday, maybe one or two guys like that. I think they could win thirty to thirty five games. But having said that, I could also see a scenario where they play, they really sort of go to the well here with the younger guys. Maybe move on from Robin Lopez at the trade deadline. Maybe even Justin Holiday, both of whom will be expiring contracts at that point. Maybe they trade them at the deadline and really invest in the younger guys. So. At that point, I could maybe see that that number sliding down, but I, I probably would. At this point, I'd probably say anywhere between maybe twenty-eight to thirty-four wins. How about you?
0: Yeah, I think I can believe I made a. I have a, make a bet with a, a friend like all the time, just like over unders with Bulls wins, and i won it by like one game this year. And I think we had, we were at twenty-six and a half, which is honestly kind of high. I was almost surprised that they won, and I think we made it for we made it for like twenty-nine and a half. I think for next year. So I, and I'm feeling kind of confident that if they get to 30 wins, I would be surprised if they got that much more, because I still do have questions about how they're going to defend, and as much as we like the Wendell Carter pick, big young big men usually are bad in the NBA to start, unless they're like transcendent talents, and even then, they don't always contribute to winning, I mean, we, we've seen a guy, young teams that have s- super talented young players, but they're still really bad, I mean, we see like Carl Anthony Towns came in and put up huge numbers right away, but he's terrible defensively, so as promising as the Bulls take, they might look, they're still really young. They still have a lot of questions marked defensively. They still have to come together offensively. And they and so they still have they still have a long way to go. And one of the reasons why they won twenty seven games last year was because Nico played like an all-star for a couple of months. He basically added a bunch of wins by himself. They won a bunch of really close games that could just kind of toss up games that easily could they easily could have been worse. Obviously they also tried to lose a bunch of games late, but so there's there's definitely a chance where the bulls could be around a similar amount in the high 20s, the low 30s, kind of like what you said. I would be shocked if they won more than like 35. And I know some I think some fans are going to be really optimistic about their chances because the East stinks, and some of these guys and and Lowry looks really good, and maybe if Levine bounces back, maybe they end up getting a lot better. I would be surprised by that. So I'm I'm kind of with you. Like a low, I think low 30s win totals is a realistic expectation. With maybe if they come together better. If they keep the veterans a lot around a bit more, maybe they get into the mid to high 30s. I think playoffs would be crazy. But I mean, if the Bulls win in the low 30s, get another good draft pick, maybe they get lucky with these new lottery odds. But then the young guys show development and they show some cohesion as a group. I think that would be a hugely successful season.
1: Yeah, I certainly agree, and uh, you—we're both very positive right now. Maybe we're getting caught up in the uh, getting caught up in the moment, but we're uh, we're coming on this podcast very positive—not not necessarily at CBE Fred levels, but um, <laughs> we're, we're working away from this uh, as a good day here as Bulls fans. So, um, look, Jay, thanks for joining me, my friend. We've pretty much touched on everything that I wanted to go through. I'm pretty sure your your piece up on um, betting Chicago is already up online, or betChicago.com rather is already online in terms of your your takes. Um of the Bulls draft. Obviously we've heard them all now, but everyone go read that on betchicago.com. Jay's put together a piece up there. Follow him on Twitter at Bulls underscore Jay as well. But um mate, I appreciate you for jumping on and um maybe we can do it again sometime, maybe through Summer League.
0: Absolutely, we've got Summer League coming up. We got I mean free agencies coming up, the Zach Levine Free is
1: obviously gonna be the Bulls big storyline there. So it'll be we we'll, we should definitely do this again soon. All right, so that was Jay Pat, folks. Go follow him, at BullsJay on Twitter, as I mentioned before. But I also mentioned this guy before. His name is CB Fred. I'm bringing him on the podcast now for a little bit of a guest spot to give me his opinion of how this draft played out. I'm pretty sure if you've listened to this pod before, if you know Fred, I'm pretty sure how you know the next 15 minutes are going to sort of transpire. There are going to be some very positive bull slants here. I'm I'm tipping I'd be very shocked if Fred isn't a few beers deep right now, and and is super excited. But let's hear from the man himself, Fred. How excited are you?
2: Oh my God, I'm on cloud nine. I tell you, brother. I tell. <laughs> you, I've probably had. I've had a lot of great nights as a Bulls fan. This one, you know, obviously the six titles when we won the lottery to get Rose. Uh, you know, Ben Gordon draft. There's been there's been a lot of great evenings Co-conic as a Bulls draft. fan. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to get into that. You're not going to bring me down tonight. (laughs) And that was, and tonight is up there to Uh get number to get Wendell Carter Jr., who I've been waxing poetic about for months.
1: Yeah, you have um, been,
2: and and then to see Bamba go the pick before because I I saw my life uh, flash before my eyes with the thought of him coming to us. (laughs) And to see him go to Orlando, the dumbest team, arguably in the last 10 years, the last decade, it was just so fitting. And just to see just to see this happen. But to, on top of that, I have been talking about it's my nightmare if the Sixers get Mikel Bridges. And, of course, they draft him. And you go into a long-winded <laughs> tweet laughing it up, laughing it up. Oh, and then fantastic. just as my phone lost its power, Announced that I was at Doug Tonis' house for the party. Excellent time tonight. God bless everyone who was there. It, the announcement comes: the Sixers trade Bridget. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I laughed so hard, my chest was hurting. And then, l- luckily, Big Dave from Ball was there. I'm like, "Get over here, my man. I got a, I got you. Got a tweet for me. You got to send the tweet out. I told you to pound sand, but you know I love you. I'm not going to be. <laughs> I'm not going to be negative tonight." And I want to give a special thanks to my opening act, Jay tonight. Jay's a great guy, and I'm glad that he was able to give his thoughts beforehand. But I, I'm here to get, get, let everybody know this is a great night in Bulls history because we just uh, we pretty much locked up title number seven.
1: <laughs> well, I I, um, I honestly don't know where to start with that entire rant. But, um, <laughs> maybe maybe we just start with the with the um the fact that the 2020 parade. The championship itself—it's—it's it, it's still on plan. It's still on track, rather, according to CBE, Fred. It's still, things are still going as planned. I'll be seeing you in Grant Park in in 2020. Wendell Carter Jr. and Chandler Hutchinson—they're the big pieces that are going to be leading the Bulls to, to a title. Is that what you're telling me, Fred? I
2: can't wait. I—I I think the ceiling for Carter junior I—in all seriousness—and I've been making this case for months. I think the ceiling for this kid is much higher than what you know people have kind of. I'm so sick. of – Oh, he's the safe pick. he's the right pick. It's not safe. He does everything well. The only thing that the only question mark you would have is potentially his lateral quickness. And I heard Garn Pax address that tonight on the post uh, post draft show. He's 19 years old, you know, and, and they felt like I guess the training staff can address that to some degree. That was the only potential fault in this game. But I, as I argued in watching the tape and I watched, Hours of tape of that guy in Bamba. I did not see any noticeable noticeable uh, uh, additional lateral equipment from Bamba over Carter. Carter was a much superior shooter, a far superior passer. He's, a, I think, a better fu- a functional defender, fundamental defender. And when they played against each other, Carter just manhandled him. You know, Mark, one thing I always took from my younger days playing high school basketball is, you know, I was a, a fantastic player. Um. Very, oh, and uh, I don't like to brag, but I was very good. And as Doug Tonus can attest, no one can shoot like me. Yeah, but one yeah, of the things okay. that, that they had me doing was uh, playing the power forward position at like 170 pounds. So I was like six foot 170, which is just you know ridiculous. Yeah, I but play I played against. It's absolutely true. I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll pull out the yearbook. How dare, you? How dare you? Anyhow, I played the power forward position, and the one thing I'll always remember is. Before the game, I would look at who I'd be playing against and their weights. And let me tell you, 30 pounds of muscle is – I remember playing a guy who was about 210. I felt like I could handle him, and I did handle him. And then we, I played a guy who was 240. The difference in 30 pounds of muscle, you can't even comprehend it. It's just I, I had no chance. And I think when you look at Wendell Carter at 255, uh, basically the same height, and you look at Bomba at 225 soaking wet, that's a massive difference in being able to stick a guy like Embiid, and I call Wendell Carter Jr. and Embiid Kryptonite. I think that's a a guy you got to go through, and he's a guy who can guard Embiid, whereas you know Bomba can't. One elbow from Embiid in the Bomba's chest, and his kidney, his kidneys end up in the two hundred level is What I've been saying, he just can't guard a guy that big.
1: Well, I mean, we don't need to rain on you know Mo Bomba's parade to to prop up Wendell Carter Jr. I think your point's taken. Um, ignoring your you know, you're your, your throwing there of your high school career. We don't really need to hear about that. But <laughs> I, I think another, you make we'll, a good we'll point. We'll
2: have an hour episode on that one, maybe. Let's, let's set some time aside for that. Uh, what i
1: learned. I don't know if my listeners need to be hearing about your, uh, your high school career, but I think you made an interesting point, though, about, you know, the perception that this pick is a safe pick. And I agree with that. I think it is a safe pick, but I think at the same time, there's two truths here. It, it can be... The safe pick but also the best available pick I'm, I'm actually quite content with how the draft played out and whilst I you know understand why some fans might see this as a safe pick I, I think that almost is a positive for for Carter Jr because it represents the fact that this guy doesn't have a lot of holes in his game yeah the lateral quickness, uh, lateral quickness might be an issue but everything else I'm pretty confident in this guy being a really good pro so yeah, his ceiling may not be as high as DeAndre Ayton or something like that. But if, if the Bulls wanted a player like that, really, they really needed to find themselves with the first or second pick. But with pick seven, I think the Bulls have done as, much, as well as they could have. And um, whilst I'm not necessarily as high on you, or as high as you rather, in terms of where this team may be going from a ceiling perspective, I'm, I'm sitting here quietly content with how this draft played out. I love
2: it. I can tell you're on board. You're on the big red bus. One thing I will say, I listened to your show with Ricky O'Donnell, which I will uh begrudgingly admit was fantastic. Just absolutely fantastic. <laughs> well, thank and you I for he, he did he did a great job and even you I will admit made some excellent points. One of your points which I <laughs> happened to nod uh, quite viciously on was the point that you made regarding, you know, the Bulls, maybe they can do a little bit of both, is drafting for need and drafting for the best player available. And that was kind of like what what I believe Wendell Carter was, there's a clear need there at the five, right? A guy who can kind of uh, cover up some of Laurie's, you know, faults for lack of a better way of putting it, I guess. I mean, I just think he really compliments Laurie Markkinen really well. Um, And he did that for Bagley at Duke. And I think he's going to do something similar for Laurie at, in the, at the NBA level. The area I disagree with a lot of people on is I think to me, out of all the bigs I saw, I think he was even, even Jaron Jackson jr. I would say that I think Gwendolyn Carter has the ability or the ceiling the shooting ceiling to be better than any other big I think he, you know he shot forty percent last year, not a tremendous amount of of attempts, but I thought his form was so fantastic and he's only nineteen years old. If that kid could eventually be a forty plus three point shooter a la you know Al Horford this year, then you're gonna have a four and a five and the the best combo shooting combo at the four and a five in the n b a The only one I could probably think of that has two guys that are capable of being 40-plus. And in doing so, you've created a team that's just going to be runways to the rim for Dunn, Levine, or whoever you want to bring in at the three or the two. And I I just think that is where the NBA is going, being able to pull out an Embiid, being able to pull out the better defenders in the NBA and and opening space for the, the rim wreckers and the attackers is just huge. And you get a kid on a bargain contract now for many years to come. And he's so young. He's almost a year younger than Bamba. I don't care how many jumpers Bamba made in an empty gym. That all changes once you go out on the court with, you know, a crowd and, and people, the actual defenders. And he just wasn't even in the same stratosphere offensively as, as yeah, Wendell Carter. Back
1: to Bamba you go. You just have to find a way to work in the Bamba well, stance <laughs> again. But uh, no, I think you made some fair points there. And – and um you know, I, Like I said, I'm, I'm quietly content with this pick and, and I almost it almost sounds like, and I could be wrong, but you listen to people talk or you, you just see tweets on Twitter and, and I'm kind of not sure if people fully understand what Wendell Carter is or what his game is and they almost talk about him as this big lumbering defensive big um, in the sense that he's Robin Lopez or something similar to Robin Lopez and whilst there are a lot of similarities in, with Lopez in terms of how important someone like Carter, Carter Jr. may be to someone like Larry Markkinen. Like you mm-hmm. said, Wendell Carter projects to be a really, really good jump shooter. And yes. I, I just wonder how much a pick like Wendell Carter Jr. himself, even though he isn't necessarily a sexy pick himself, I wonder how, how important he's going to be or how much of a key he's going to be in unlocking some of these Bulls players that are already on the roster. I'm thinking about, obviously, Larry Markkinen and the fact you're putting him next to a really good rim protector a dominant rebounder but also guys like Chris Dunn and Zach Levine who weren't terribly efficient last season but mm-hmm. now that they're able to play with a spaced out center someone that could set them really big strong screens and really hit that offensive glass i kind of i kind of wonder if he's going to be super important for their development as well so i don't oh, know yeah. i think this will be a pick that the bulls fans while some aren't in love with this pick right now I think in time they're going to learn to love it and um yeah I, I'm really I'm really happy with the pick itself you touched on a point I, I just got to follow up on because I think it is huge and it's something
2: you know one thing I realized in this whole draft process it's been like 10 years since I spent an insane amount of time on any pick in the top 10 the Bulls really didn't have a you know had we had no idea they were going to have a chance at seven for marketing. in and then, you know, before that, the only time I ever spent a lot of time on top 10 was when Noah was drafted. That was really the last time they were in the top 10. Uh, so this year I I got back down to it and spent a ton of time. And The two things that hit me about Carter and watching a ton of tape on him is, number one, he's a much better passer. He, he's a fantastic passer for a big man. I was I was really surprised at how good he was at that skill. So that's going to help everyone, you know, not just as you as you touch on, it's going to help Levine Dunn. Having a big man that can pass is is, is a big plus. And number two, the, the setting screens. He's he's two fifty five of solid granite. He sets excellent screens, and uh, I think that's obviously going to help Levine. And in, in in that you could do a pick and pop with him. You could do a pick and roll. I, I think they're really kind of. He's been undercutted in two areas. Er- he's been really just I think underrated in two areas. And one would be shooting, and, and the other one is definitely. Uh, Athleticism. I think he's a much better athlete. Than he's been given credit for people. act like he's just a big lumbering dope, you know, because he's a center at 255. You hear that he's he's he is a good athlete. So I am. I, I know you're high, too. I know you're trying to keep it in and try to be professional. But you <laughs> secretly are just ecstatic about this. And, uh you know, this was a great night. And, the, and to top it off, too. Tibbs had a chance to get Hutchinson's, and he, and he pooped his pants. So, I mean, this is just great. It's been a, a
1: double whammy. Well, Tibbs we got, tib, got who I wanted. Tibbs picked Josh Okogie, so I was actually kind of disappointed about that in the sense that I really wanted Okogie, but at the same time, I'm not, I'm not down on, on Hutchinson. I think he can be good. Um, I'm not necessarily mm-hmm. enamored with the fact that they made a guarantee for him, but I think he can be good. And for pick 22, I'm hoping he can be good at least.
2: Yeah, I don't understand what everybody... Why does everybody care about that? I don't know. Don't why, why, why does it matter if they, if they made a here or not? First of all, who knows if they did? Number two, is there some kind of legal contract that they would have to keep to it? I have a feeling if Michael Porter fell any further they would have taken Porter. And that's a you know big deal. If it's the right pick and they made a promise, that's all I care about. And I think he was a... Excellent choice at that point, and he fills the need at the three. I, I don't, the only thing I disagree with, I don't think he's a shooting guard. I think he kind of no, projects more forward. out of three. Yeah, definitely. yeah, they had him yeah. as a shooting guard. He's a little bit light, maybe, but uh, overall, I think he's going to be a nice guy to just slide in that role. We're that's the only spot we really had that was, I thought, kind of a a hole now. You know what I mean? I mean, definitely at the three. But uh, if you look at the team now, I mean, if we signed Paul George. I'd say this team is uh top four and then uh you, you know you know my mantra. Seven pick last year, seven pick this year, seven seed next year, seven title in twenty twenty. So that's how I that's how I, that's how I roll.
1: A deck full of sevens. There you go. You've heard it here from CBA Fred people. The the Bulls Prophet himself, he's predicting Paul George. He's predicting the seventh seed next season and then the seventh ring, the season thereafter. So you've got this podcast on record to To just let Fred know how that's progressing, I'll I'm, you know you you can be sure that I'll be letting Fred know over the years how um how his uh, predictions are coming along here. You, you can be certain <laughs> I'll be doing that. But um, Fred, I'm glad you enjoyed yourself tonight at the draft at Dogs. Oh, I, you, I kind of wish I could have been there in Chicago, but unfortunately, uh, well, time zones and you know thousands of miles probably couldn't make that happen but um, maybe one day we'll get there to, uh, to to Doug's for the draft party. But in lieu of that, I'm glad to hear you had a good night. I'm glad to hear that the 2020 campaign is still on track after this draft. So um, look, I'm sure we'll touch base over the, the off season and the coming season. I'm sure I'll have you on later on throughout the year on Bulls HQ to get your thoughts on how, I guess, how Wendell Carter Jr. and how Chandler Hutchinson are fitting into this team. But I'm pretty sure they're going to be uh, glowing remarks as to how they're performing anyway. So. <laughs> but uh, look, I appreciate you jumping on here high after the draft, my friend. And um, even though I don't think you will be right, I kind of hope you are.
2: Well, I I just can tell you right now, I cannot wait till that summer evening, June, 2020, where you and I embrace at the Grant Park party. And then we head over to Gibson's to have a uh, dinner with Garn Pax. And we all uh, discuss <laughs> What a great ride it's been the last few years. Yeah, that
1: would we'll be a really conversation, that one. I can, I can guarantee you that. But, um, right,
2: one last question. One last question for you.
1: i got to know what we are I'm seeing. definitely editing it this part. Well, what
2: were the Sixers <laughs> thinking?
1: What were the Sixers thinking tonight?
2: What do you mean? Did you agree with that move? I thought it was a I
1: fantastic mean, move, Fred. An absolutely great move. Why? Well, because they got a player that are probably is going to be better than Michael Bridges, in my opinion, and they got themselves a 2021 unprotected first-round pick. So, a great move.
2: Yeah, uh, well, I don't think uh, Smith though shoots the three very well, right? I mean, that's Not what they yet. need.
1: They need outside shooting. Not yet, but he's so- a fantastic ath- athlete. Projects to be a great defender. I don't know. He's going to be. I think he's going to be really good. And a twenty twenty one unprotected first round pick from the Miami hit. I um I think that pick has a lot of potential as well. So I'm 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 into it. I felt sorry God. for Bridges, but um, like I said, it's a good it's a good trade for the Sixers, um, and uh, you know the Sixers are still marching ahead.
2: No, now that, that we have uh, oh, a beat
1: kryptonite. We're going all the way. Right, of course. I, I right, forgot about man. that. I forgot Great. about that. Uh, uh, Fred, thanks for joining me, my friend. And um, we'll catch up down the line. Have a good one, brother. Bye-bye. So that was CBE Fred, folks. You probably know already, but follow him online at CBE Fred on Twitter. You can obviously catch him on his own podcast, the Chicago Bullseye podcast, as well as the Big Red Bus there with Doug Tonus. Always fun having Fred on. He's uh, He's a bit of a lunatic, but that's why we love him. Very, very optimistic Bulls fan. And obviously very happy with how the pick itself sort of transpired there for the Bulls. But look, that pretty much wraps up this podcast. I'm actually pretty happy. As I've, stated, I've sort of stated already on this pod, I'm pretty pretty content with how the Bulls have played this thing out. It remains to be seen how these guys develop. But at the time of the draft itself, I'm happy. I think this is a good draft. The Bulls have made some several good decisions here. So all is well heading into free agency and... Speaking of free agency, I'll probably be back in another week's time or so previewing free agency. Bulls probably won't be big players in it in the terms of signing some big names, but they could be very important in terms of how the league shapes itself. They're one of the few teams to have cap space. So they could be very important in terms of being a trade partner in the sense of maybe taking on some bad contracts, receiving some, some future picks of these sorts of things. So Whilst the Bulls probably won't be landing a Paul George, as Fred hopes for, uh, they could still be uh, very relevant players here in free agency. So I'll be back again in a week's time. But I hope you guys enjoyed the draft. I hope you, you guys enjoyed this uh, reaction pod. And in the meantime, follow me online on Twitter at MK Hoops. Follow the podcast on Twitter as well at Bulls HQ Pod. And as I said, we'll be back again in a week's time to give you a little bit of a, a primer there for free agency. So be on the lookout. That'll be in your, your all your uh, podcasting feeds very soon. But again, thanks for joining me. And good luck to Wendell Carter and Chandler Hutchinson. Here's to hoping for two long successful careers for both Bulls and um Fingers crossed they may be part of the next Bulls Championship. So as I said, I'll catch you guys next week. And uh, thanks again for joining me.